What's up, guys, and welcome back to Paint Bravely, the podcast where you can find a little bit of encouragement, discover new ways to make your hobby more fun, and most importantly, learn to paint bravely. Of course, we hope so every week. We don't always talk about painting, but, you know, we want to get there eventually. So this week, we're going to start off with a little bit of the things that we've been doing, and then we're going to get into some pretty fun topics, I think. I know, Brent, are they fun? We'll make them fun. We'll do our best. We'll make them fun. Okay. <laughs> so why don't we start off with you? Um, what What have you been doing since the last time we talked? Because it's been it's been a little bit now. I guess it's about normal. Yeah, it's like been two week. weeks. Sometimes <laughs> yeah. it's more like one week. Sometimes it's three weeks. But th- this time it's been two weeks. So yeah, you know, I'm going to start off light. We're going to start off not painting. I saw Avengers Endgame finally. It's uh, been Ooh. out for more than a year now, but I forgot to cancel my <laughs> Disney Plus account, and uh, here we are. So right. <laughs> really, the only point I wanted to make here is I understand it. I'm still not like a comic book mm. guy. I still don't really have a favorite superhero, but but I understand it. I can appreciate and acknowledge the quality of that film and the accomplishment of all of the uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe. And uh, that's really all I needed to say, just... I know yeah. in the past I've been a little bit harsh on the the superhero theme, but I want you to know that that I get it. It's not necessarily for me, but I but I get it. I understand it. I appreciate it. And uh, yeah, well, that's we all. brought this up in in uh, an older podcast at this point um, about there are just some things that as a person you should just know about, right? Like if you're in the the nerd culture like we are, you should probably know what happens in Avengers Endgame because that conversation is probably going to come up at some point or another. Right. Now, I after seeing it, it wasn't one of those experiences where like a lot of memes and stuff clicked into place for me. Certainly sure. not as much <laughs> as like the first one. You know, the the, I, right. the first one, I think there were more memes. But yeah, sometimes you watch a movie and you're just all of a sudden like, oh i get it i get <laughs> it or like if yeah. you see game of thrones for the first time and you're suddenly like oh i see i see khaleesi i see right. yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly so that's cool that's good yeah so like I'm, I'm i'm caught up on that for a little while you know until the next 10 years that you skip out on and wait till the end that's fine though <laughs> hey i'm doing my part I still got that Disney yeah. Plus open. I keep forgetting to cancel that. So you know what? Maybe I'll maybe I'll watch a few of the others. You know, I actually did watch uh, yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy. What that was pretty good. Like I, I get the appeal there. You know, so maybe I'll mm-hmm. I'll keep on educating myself, and that'll be good. But uh, enough about uh, MCU. What has been new with you, Casey? Um, a lot of a lot of painting actually. Um. So I, I had this idea after I did a video a couple weeks ago that I wanted to paint a whole bunch more models, right? Because I only really get to paint one model every week, mm-hmm. and and it's specifically for a video. Um, but I had this idea that if I use a concept, so like concept armies, you know what I'm talking about? Like stone or lava or, you know, ghosts. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. We're on the same page. So we're talking about like <laughs> um, kind of a simplified paint schemes for... Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so something that you can do a lot of that still looks pretty cool and, you know, kick it out 
real quick. So I've been wanting to paint more models and I just had this idea after painting a pretty easy to paint model. It was nice um, that I'm going to buy an entire army on eBay and then paint it all in like a couple days or a mm-hmm. day or, you know, within the week of time that I have. So right now I'm collecting a whole bunch of Stormcast models and I'm kind of making a plan. But I've been I've been doing some testing. I made a video about kind of the idea behind that and where that's going to go. So I'm I'm pretty excited about that. But I have been painting quite a bit this week, and and that makes me happy. Okay, I don't happy. think I've seen that video yet. But are you going you going stone? You doing ghosts? What are what kind of stormcast are these going to be? Stone stonecast. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. like marble I do, I do or make the, kind of um, I guess. I don't know, river rock maybe <laughs> like okay um pretty straightforward like fantasy stone with moss on it that kind of thing so a lot of gray okay of so the idea is you don't have to be painting different colors for the cloth and for the the armor and yeah on those models everything it's pretty is pretty essentially much cloth and armor, the same thing yeah that's pretty much all they have um yeah and it, it's nice like if you've never seen uh stone cast army um i'll throw up a picture right now just because uh, the video should be out. Yeah, it'll be out literally the day before this goes out. Mm. So, yeah, it's it's timely. It's nice. Um, so the idea is like you, you you paint your model like gray, and then you dry brush a bunch of lighter and lighter grays on top of that to get this kind of like stone look like you would if it was rocks on a base or something. And then I'm putting moss on it, um, you know, little bits of lichen and whatever you can get at a hobby shop. And uh, I'm doing I'm doing some nice like OSL magic effects, which is really what brings it all together. And it, it's it's a fun way to paint a lot of models really quickly. Nice. Well, I'm looking forward to yeah. seeing it then. The uh, the OSL yeah. with the airbrush or. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So it's like almost all dry brushing. And then I can kind of come in right at the end and, you know, assembly line, airbrush everything. I haven't quite started on on the actual army yet. I'm still waiting for a lot of it to come in the mail. Um, but the idea is that I'm gonna. So I'm you know I'm buying everything for pretty cheap, right? Um, and I've been selling a lot of models, you know, after videos have been done. And I'm gonna put the whole army back up on eBay, mm. and I'm gonna start it like at the same price that I paid for everything. So it should be pretty inexpensive, technically. I mean, who knows how high it'll get bid wise, but. You know, good opportunity for someone to to get a two thousand point stormcast army. <laughs> so that's your goal. Is did you start with a with the wish list of of what you wanted in the army, or are you just putting anything in there to get two thousand points, or what's the what's the overall plan like there? Um, at first, it was kind of like, what could I get for the cheapest? Mm-hmm. Um, which used to be whatever came in the starter box, but it's been a few years since that first box came out, so. Um, I'm looking at some of the newer starter boxes or like the, what is it? Soul Wars or something that had a bunch of things in it. So like the the bulk army stuff. Now I am including something, um, uh, what is it? Star Drake. Mm. One of the big, big dragons. Um, I found one of those for a killer deal. So that's going to be in the army, but I did build an army list and it has some synergy to it. So if you legitimately wanted to play it, like it would actually work. All right. How many ballistas? So 
<laughs> no ballistas, but oh. uh, let me think here. All right, folks listening bows. at home, if you want to play this army, you're going to need five more ballistas, uh, but it's a simple paint job, and Casey will show you how to do it. So, 100%. Well, and I'm, I'm building it so that if, if you did want to do that, because I'm not including the ballistas, um, <laughs> I, I am doing like 20 judicators and like another 15 castigors. So it's, it's almost fully ranged. Um, and then it's all the, the sequiturs or whatever the, the cool ones are that people like. Um, yeah, I found a couple of good auctions for those. Usually they go for a, quite a bit too. Hmm. So I got a little bit lucky and there's going to be a bunch of those. Nice. So were and you getting pretty cool. the, the deals where you were finding were those kind of like unit by unit deals or cause sometimes you'll find somebody just selling, you know, like their, their army or, or their collection yeah. off. And sometimes you can get an okay deal on those too. But mm -hmm. I did bid on a couple of full armies or what, you know, what they were calling a full army. Right. Um, I didn't end up getting those. So I did have to go unit by unit, but I, I mean, like say a, a unit of judicators, right. With the longbows. Um, normally those go for, well, the box brand new is like $55 for five of them, I think. Um, so I was getting like 10 for 35. So I, it, it was a pretty good deal. Well, you've got your skills. I'll give you that. Yeah. <laughs> right. You know what you're yeah. doing. <laughs> it's, it's mostly just like people ask me that all the time. Like, how, how do you always find this stuff? And it's like, I look every day. Yeah. Every single day. Cause it's and your job. Yeah. That's all you have to do. <laughs> and people are like, but I don't understand. I look all the time. Like, do you look every day? Well, no. Well, that's your problem. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you watch my videos, you'll you'll see that just in the background, there's often just piles of third edition Dark Eldar warriors and stuff. And yeah. yeah, I had a phase where I was trying to put together an army from eBay deals for for old Dark Eldar, and I kept finding the army deals, and it would always have like half of the stuff was actually stuff I was interested in, like oh, get some more jet bikes, get a get a Talos, you know. And then mm -hmm. the other half is just broken warriors, which I which just go into the <laughs> pile. So the pile for, for me trying to make an army off of eBay, I was I was getting those bigger deals and like I was actually getting the stuff I needed, plus a pile of broken dark Eldar warriors, which are which are the test models now. But yeah, you've got your system down. I mean, they still have a use. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited to see it. <laughs> it should be, it should be interesting. This is uh, I think. I think the first time that I've been able to, I don't, I don't know why, but think about a project that I could actually accomplish that is kind of a big project. So, yeah, it's not that's not normal for me. Yeah, rescuing a whole army that that sounds like a good video. I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> so awesome. Mm. Have you been doing anything else? Because I know other than watching movies. Right. Things have been opening back up. Have you been going outside? You got bit by a dog Sli again? Slightly. So uh, just before we started recording, I was telling you, Casey, that I went to my local hobby store for the first time in, you know, obviously months. months. So yeah. in case anyone is listening to this way after the fact, we're uh, recording in late June of 2020 here. And much of uh, the country, much of this country is still in lockdown or should be in lockdown. And, uh, you know, things are kind of phased opening and 
you know, my local hobby stop had phases where I was doing like drive-by pickup or it had been doing a lot of shipping of products. But now they're they're at a phase where they're not running any games or anything, but you can go into the store part of the shop as long as you have a face mask and they're limiting it to five customers at a time. But they are start, you know, they're... I was able to go to my game store and walk around and, and buy some models for the first time in a long time. So good to get out of the house, you know? Yeah, it's got to feel pretty good. Yeah, it's been a while uh, since I've been able to do something like that. Um, but yeah, getting back into the game store, like just going through even stuff that you probably don't even need, just looking at everything, like it's got to feel pretty good. Yeah, and and again, it's a situation where I want them to continue to be around in, in the eventuality that we do get to play games in public again someday. I want that game store to be there. So there were, you know, a couple of boxes of just models that I just thought looked cool. There was some Blackstone Fortress. One of the expansions to Blackstone mm-hmm. Fortress just has a bunch of like cool trader guard models in it. And mm-hmm. is surprisingly not that expensive compared to a lot of other GW products. But it's like a $40 mm-hmm. box it has. 15 or 16 models or something in it and including a bunch of cool trader guard stuff and i got a blood bowl team the the halflings Ooh. oh yeah oh yeah yeah and you know recently on Goobertown hobbies i've had like a a pile of shame video and it's clear that i do not need any more models but i (laughs) i do need my my local game store to keep being there and at some point i'll i'll paint me some halflings and and We'll all Definitely. be happy about that. So. I've I've never played Blood Bowl in person. I've heard it's good. <laughs> yeah, um, many years ago now, like like late high school, one of my friends was really into it and really trying to get me into it, and he could not get anyone else to be into it. So I I did buy yeah I think two metal teams at the time I had mm. uh, I think Amazons and I think the human team. And we played a few games, but wasn't really into it at the time. But now thinking about it, you know, I love the idea of of actual squares for moving around. So you're not arguing around Mm -hmm. with like a measuring tape or anything. Hopefully they haven't changed that aspect of the game. I don't know, but I'm pretty sure it's still the the same. They they did a video game for Blood Bowl, like a newer one. Um, And it, it, yeah, it's gridded. It's supposed to be the same thing it's that's what i've played i've I, I played a lot of that but never in person okay yeah the the models themselves are great uh there's i think some of the teams have like repeats like two of every figure or something like that but mm-hmm. they're they're great models so great models and they're not ridiculously expensive so yeah i yeah. might give it a shot sometime Anyway, cool, cool cool little halflings, halflings, and uh, what else? I got some, I got some gloss Agrax Earthshade. Nothing too fancy. And gloss Agrax. Yeah, I was, I was going for gloss that? Null Noil, but they were out of gloss Null Noil, so. Right. Yeah. Yeah, maybe maybe I'll find a use for gloss Agrax. We'll see. But uh, and then coming home from my you know local independent game store, uh, there actually is a a Warhammer store on the way home from that. And so I stopped in at the oh, Warhammer okay. store and it was actually really interesting to see how they were set up for the partial reopening phase here. They mm-hmm. had been just flat out closed for, 
uh, you know, a month or more. I don't, I don't know exactly how long, but they're open now. But what they've done is just inside the door, they've put like a U of tables. Like they have three long tables set up so that you can't really enter the store. You just kind of are standing, you're like uh, blocked off. There's like a barricade there sort of. So you can step inside hmm. into the air conditioning, but you can't like go <laughs> and paw through all their stuff. There's just, you know, some tables blocking off there. And you kind of walk in there and the guy says, what do you need? What can I get for you? And then I didn't know what to say, but. <laughs> uh, gloss, no, no. I, no, 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 no. I, I, what I eventually came up with was Slaves to Darkness uh, Chaos War Shrine. Uh, no, we don't have that. Well, okay, see you later. Like, <laughs> She's just a deep cut. They're like, well, yeah, we, there's no way we, we carry that. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, this this guy was actually saying they they haven't quite got their shipments uh, squared away yet. Oh, okay. So he was saying like this Games Workshop store, their Warhammer store, didn't have like Prophecy of the Wolf, like didn't have one of the big battle box oh, wow. releases from like a month ago. And yeah. he was saying like he did, hadn't gotten any shipments since like the shutdown began because like somebody somebody higher up had, had made a, a few mistakes along the way, but. <laughs> They were, they were hoping to get fresh products anymore. in eventually, but that's a bummer. I mean, especially when his job's writing on that, like if they don't have the product, how does that reflect? I mean, maybe they're just glossing over a lot of it right now because all the stores have been closed, but like that, that seems kind of, kind of crap for him. Yeah. I mean, it sounded like he had gotten, I don't know. I don't know if they were, you know, paying him during the shutdown or not, but it kind of sounded like okay, you're done with your furlough now, come on back to work, and uh, you're not allowed to let people into the store, and also we're not giving you the fresh new releases. So, right. um, <laughs> you know, like like my local, you know, friendly local game store had um, the new Lumineth Realm, Lumineth Realm Lords box, like they ha and they had the Prophecy really? of the Wolf box, and they had, you know, they had the new releases from Games Workshop, but the actual Warhammer store didn't, so... It sounds like a clerical error or something. Yeah, like. yeah, I'm sure. I mean, yeah. there's, there's tons of this stuff going around because oh, yeah. this is strange times. But anyway, good to see that the, uh, both of those stores are still there in some capacity. Uh, hopefully, right. hopefully, you know, eventually well, it'll be safe to play games again. But, yeah, we'll see. Hopefully. Until yeah. then, we're just going to keep doing podcasts from the comfort of our own home. And that's that's the way we live. Yeah, it seems fine. Yeah. Now. <laughs> yeah. I've I've done I've also been painting a little bit, but the main thing I want to talk about is I have upgraded my hobby desk yet again and it's getting mm. pretty nice. So, this hobby desk is now like a convergence of of all my hobbies in one. So, it's it's a painting desk. It's a it's a desk with set up mm -hmm. for painting. But now it also has um T-slot aluminum, making a big framework over it to hang all the lights on. And also mm -hmm. hanging off of this framework is another big, beautiful power strip. You know, a 10-slot mm. power strip with enough room to put any plug you want in there. And, you know, five of the things plugged into that are those big, beefy plugs that, that would not fit onto a regular power strip. So, man, that thing's lit up. It's all cable-managed. And I recently made one more addition, which was mounted a couple of monitors uh, to the T-slot aluminum, to the framework there. And so I've got a monitor for 
watching Netflix or whatever. I've got a monitor for making sure that my camera is in focus when I'm painting, and it's just, it's all coming together, Casey. For my net, that sounds awesome. Yeah, man. yeah, yeah. For that Netflix computer, I you know had taken an old computer and you know kind of rebuilt it into a smaller case so that it fits real nice there at the desk, and man, things are looking up. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like you're doing quarantine in the best way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Like, Thank you, Casey. Everything is around my desk. You don't mm-hmm. have to go anywhere. Barely When's have the to mini leave. fridge coming in? Mini fridge? Yeah. That's obviously the next best choice. Well, I'm looking I'm looking and there actually is a pretty good spot for that. Like when I mm-hmm. when I condense down that big the big old computer into a sm- nice small little case. It opened up uh, really just about enough room for a mini fridge. So good idea. There we're we're going to work on that. Yeah. <laughs> there you get uh, get you a few pee bottles, you know, next to me there at the desk and it'll be OK. Exactly. Yeah, It's all we're yeah. missing the pee bottles at this point. So <laughs> for that, you, you cut a hole in like your wall and you just put a piece of PVC right through it. That's fine. OK, let me write that down. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's say we get to, I suppose, our main topic of the episode, um, which I guess, I don't know, how would you word this a little more specifically? So we had a viewer uh, write in an email with a bunch of topic ideas, and a lot of them are actually pretty good. Some of them were already on our list of possible episodes, and some of them were new and interesting. So we're going to go with one of these for today. And the question is basically, you know, when do you do a color scheme other than the box art? Why do you do that? How do you go about doing that? And so the the main topic of the day is color schemes that are not box art. Right. That fits very well into my, uh, my concept army. It's almost like we planned it, but we didn't at all. Yeah, I mean, this is a this is a big, beautiful topic that we can go anywhere with. But so start off with why would you want to have why would you want to use box art? And then why would you not want to use box art? Casey, go. All right. So I think that a lot of the times when you especially when you get into painting, you know, you you go to the model shop, right? And you look at the art. And you think that looks really cool. And I want to, I want to have that model. So in your head, you're thinking, I want this model to look like the box art because that's why you bought it. Right. Like generally speaking. Um, So I think a lot of the times, because there is kind of a roadmap right in front of you already, it's easy to say, okay, well I can see that that armor is gold and that shield is blue. You know, so it, it's it's kind of a nice thing. And then obviously Games Workshop has their YouTube channel and the community section that they pretty much stick to their own box art for. Like occasionally they do dip into some other things, but for the most part, they stick to their box art and show you essentially how to paint that. So I think, yeah, for a lot of people, it's just kind of the first step. Now, you start breaking out of that a little bit when, you know, say you read a book like some uh, black library novels and you hear a cool story about this war band, you know, with an inquisitor 
whatever that is. And then you make up some crazy story about that or, you know, you want to follow that. So you come up with a paint scheme that matches that idea. It's it's almost, I guess, more about creativity at that point. You want to tell your own stories with these models, not the story that Games Workshop is necessarily telling you. So, I mean, I like painting the box art personally. Like, I usually, that's my go-to. Um, but then obviously, you know, talking about the concept armies and that kind of thing, I do like to jump way off the scale of box art. Um, and I think most of the stuff that I do on a regular basis is probably just, let's make it up as we go along, see what happens. And I like that. It's a fun thing to do. Do you prefer one or the other? I prefer to make up my own scheme and we'll, we'll have to figure out why that is exactly. But as for box art, there is something nice about knowing what you need to do or, or having a, at least a little bit of a path out there for you. And of course, there's yeah. a lot of different techniques that you could try to use to make that box art. But, you know, if you're painting ultramarines, you know that you you need some blue paint, <laughs> you need some gold paint and uh, try to and you know where to put both of those types of paint. And there's yeah. a lot of the a lot of the thinking. Some of the thinking is done for you, which can be kind of nice. So you don't have to stress out mm -hmm. over okay, do I put gold here or here or here? Or what about here? Or would it, would it look weird if I also made the helmet gold or, you know, um, because right. <laughs> once you go off the box art, you have to make, you're, you're making a ton of decisions. And some of those decisions just will lead to a worse looking model. While some will look to a, you know, lead to a better looking model. Yeah. And the box art, one nice thing about the box art is it looks good. Like professionals mm -hmm. have made a paint scheme that looks good. They might kind of be lying to you about how easy it is to duplicate that paint scheme, <laughs> but but the models on the box look good. And uh, I guess for me, part of why I often don't do the box scheme is a fear of my models looking like everyone else's or more realistically looking like a worse version of the box art. Like, um, almost like, okay, I have slightly failed to reproduce the box art. Like my, uh, these are my models. They look like the box, but not as good. And so for me, I try to, you know, make the models mine. So, so, you know, part of it is like ownership of like, these are my models and I came up with this paint scheme and the way they look the way I want to look. And also, because I am picking different colors, sometimes that uh, the the uniqueness of of the look of my models it makes somebody go like, "Oh, I hadn't thought about that before. That's cool." And so it, it adds some value that way because it is a, probably a, a new paint scheme that not too many people have used before. So, yeah, yeah, and I I think that like because in general, when we paint something, it's probably we're recording it. Um, I do find that going off of, um, or not following the box art rather, um, does add more value to that. Like somehow, you know, because you can try different things, you can use different products that aren't even necessarily games workshop products and get, crazy different results with that and and people learn from that and they generally say something like I, I do like those comments that are like wow like I've never 
ever thought about that before. Like I got one the other day that was, you know, I gloss varnished a model and used a, a black wash on it. And it's like, I never thought to, never thought to even do that, you know? Yeah. I think there is definitely, since we're making videos, there's definitely an advantage to showing people alternatives to the box art. And so, you know, a lot of, you know, some people making videos will do very similar to the box art. Like, um, at least when he was at Games Workshop, of course, you know, Duncan's videos were all pretty much how to do the box art for these models. And it's good to see that, but it's also nice to see alternatives. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what do you, um, like if you're, if you're going to come up with your own color scheme, do you like Google images and look for something specific? Do you look up like uh, color combinations or do you just like scroll Instagram and until you find something that just pops out at you? Scrolling Instagram is a good one. Um, and so that's, I think that's a really good way to do it. If you're looking for inspiration, um, looking for inspiration in almost any aspect of the hobby, get yourself, you know, follow some, some people you like and, and keep growing that list and, and scroll, scroll, scroll. Yeah. Yeah. You know, type in a search term for, for a certain model and keep going until you find the colors that, that give you an idea and not that you're even necessarily looking for something to duplicate it exactly, but mm -hmm. just, whoa, you can do that in teal. That's a really interesting idea. Mm -hmm. uh, recently, I painted some Imperial Guard, and I have a memory from way back when of seeing some image online of this brilliant blue scheme for Imperial Guard troopers. And I, I've looked, I cannot find that image again, but <laughs> that's, that's an idea that's like lodged in my head now of someday I'm going to paint some blue Imperial Guard. And so just by look and you know, I've forgotten which places were blue. I've forgotten what, you know, all the secondary colors were, but I've got this nugget of an idea, this nugget of inspiration that's, that's in my head now. And someday, someday, um, another one I've had the, the Corvus Cabal, uh, war band on my desk yeah, for like yeah. a year now. <laughs> and there, these are the the chaos bird soldiers they've got like crow heads and crow skulls and feathers all over them and the box art from gw is black and gray and like a really deep blue and it's it's made to look all the feathers look like crow or raven feathers mm. and they look good i don't so so part of the reason i haven't painted them yet is because i don't know what to paint them I know that uh, I really haven't yet enjoyed painting a black model. Mm -hmm. And so that's that's kind of in my mind. It's like, OK, I, I don't in this case, I don't want to paint the box art because I actually don't like the box art. Mm -hmm. And normally the box art is pretty good. Like, yeah, that's that's a good one. But I want to do something different just to be different. But this is one where I want to do something to be different, but also, eh. Right. Yeah. Goth, I mean, they are goth very, bird like, chaos warriors. Yeah. 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 Not this time. Like, yeah. No, I, I've definitely been there. Like just looking at it and you're just, you're not inspired by that, but you have this product and you need to figure something out to do with that. Um, yeah, that can be tough. And black, especially as a color is a, it's a tough color to paint. 
Um, I mean, I've, I've experimented quite a bit with it and it's one of those things where, okay, well you can add, you know, say a little bit of purple into the shadows and that, that kind of makes your black look a little bit different. But if you go a little too far now, it doesn't read as black and there's, there's so many problems with black, like even just in highlighting it, it's, it's just going to look gray. Um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what you come up with for that, because I don't think I've seen too many variations on that specific warband. Yeah, so I've seen a few now that I'm that I'm interested in. Um, mm-hmm. And it's taken a while. Like I scrolled all through Instagram. I've watched videos. I've watched Twitch streams. And there's a couple ideas that I that I have now. And again, it's just like, OK these like this color or this couple of colors in combination look good together. There's a way to put them on these models that looks good. Um, let me go and experiment. But to get more into the question you asked for me personally, if I'm coming up with a paint scheme for better or worse, the way that I've normally done it is all right. That was Gordon. Gordon just knocked the microphone. He's, he wants to be here and hang out. Good job. Gordon. Yeah. Thanks Gordon. So the way I normally do it is just trial and error. Like I'll take okay, sure. I'll take that pile of dark elf warriors and uh I'll just you know take out my paint palette and put a bunch of different colors on and I go through more test models than a lot of folks do. You know, if I'm mm-hmm. if I'm going to be painting a squad, I'll make sure that I have like a couple extra models to experiment with. Right to you know see yeah. if if this green looks good on it or that blue or whatever and uh that's actually something i've been doing in the last couple of days i've i've got six models that i'm painting and they're metal sculpts and i have three duplicates of three of the sculpts and so i've got mm. nine models on my desk three of them i'm just painting and repainting and and trying stuff with and then the other six like once i'm once I'm happy with some of the colors, I'm I'm slowly painting up the other six. But but yeah. those first three are absolutely like leading the way. I just keep changing the hair color and changing, you know, the cloth color and all this other stuff. But mm. that brings up another interesting point that uh I almost forgot because we were going to do an update on. So you you use those models as test models and you were able to warm up a little bit before you really got into the other stuff. Have you been using any of those test models as like a warm up practice, like, you know, something before you really get into painting? Is that, is that kind of the usage that you're using them for and has it helped? Sort of, but not exactly. So a couple episodes ago, we were talking about this idea of warming up when you're painting. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. if you're, doing any physical activity you do your stretches first if you know you take a few swings of the baseball bat before you stand up step up to the plate you know you but in apparently uh, real artists do this for themselves also they'll they'll draw a doodle before they start doing the thing they actually want to draw or um so we got this question about whether we do that with painting whether we take a few few practice strokes with our brush on some test model or whatever and during that episode, Casey and I were both like, that's actually a pretty great idea. We should absolutely do that. Oh, yeah, we're going to do that. Uh, we also predicted that we would forget to do it. 
And so I guess I'm this, like, what are you checking up on me here, Casey? Um, I'm, I'm just checking in cause I want, I'm curious because, and, and only because I have been doing that. Oh, well, I have not, but I'm, I'm starting to see how it could fit in. Like the idea mm-hmm. of having a test model on your desk. And then every time you come back, especially if you're like trying to figure out a color scheme, like every time you sit at your desk, you just, just change one of the colors on there. You know, like you've, you've, you slept on it and you're, you're coming back to it. Yeah. That, that loincloth definitely needs to be blue, you know? Uh, right. <laughs> so I'm, I'm thinking about that is the way to do it. Have, have a color scheme that you're working on, have some test models on your desk as, as both the, like trying to make progress on coming up with a color scheme, but also just putting a little bit of paint on a model before you get started on the, on the night's main activity. So yeah. I don't know. It, it It's possible. It's possible. Yeah. But what just, have you been doing? Like what have you been doing? Tell, tell us. Well, okay. Um, I got them. I got the mini right here. Um, I'm throwing it up on my camera. You can't really see it, Brent. Like I, I was doing some, like I was saying the, the OSL for the stone cast. Um, and I didn't, I didn't bust out the airbrush on this guy, but I, I did some stuff with a, a paintbrush. And, you know, just testing out some blues to whites. And then uh, I got a new oil wash. I got that tester's uh, little pen dippy thing. You know what I'm talking about, that little square pot. But I just got one of those. So I've been testing different things, color combinations and, you know, how it reacts to the oil wash and that kind of thing. You know, before I then do that on the actual model. So it, it has been helpful in that regard and and not too bad. I'm still not sure if it's warming me up or just giving me a little bit more confidence with the thing that I'm trying to do. But I thought that fit into like, you know, what you're saying of having those extra models and stuff. Yeah. And and again, I don't know how much like warm up you actually need. I mean, the muscles should be doing pretty much what they need to do. Maybe your eyes get a little bit more focused in or something, but a lot of it is just, you know, being just kind of calming down or being in the right, you know, mindset to do what you got to do. Yeah, yeah. But, all right, I'm, I'm glad we're both sort of following up on that. This is this is good. This is good. It's good. Yeah, I know, I uh, I know that John from uh, Trapped Under Plastic, he was saying that he was going to put bru- uh, paint on his brush every day. That was going to be his goal is to just dip a paintbrush and paint every day. We haven't heard we haven't heard much on that for a while, have we? No, maybe. I suppose we should just call him out for that and ask him. No, we're, we're like passively calling him out on that right now. But see, I don't think <laughs> well, I, I don't actively. think I would ever make that challenge for myself because I know it would not happen. But. Right. I mean, it's a, it's a really cool like thought. That if you if you sat down at your desk and and even if you had five minutes, if you just put paint on your brush, like that paint has to go somewhere. Like it's gotta go on a model. Like grab a model. If you have that test model, then sure, like you could uh you could do a quick little little thing on that. You know, that actually sounds great. Like Developing a good paint scheme, I think, sometimes takes, you know, a couple of iterations, especially if you're doing it by trial and error or, you know, trying things like thinking about it for a few days, 
seeing it in the evening light, seeing it in the sunlight. And then you're like, mm-hmm. no, that shoulder pad is going to be brown. That is, and then, you know, you try that and you come back to it the next day, decide to, to dip your paintbrush and paint on that day. Orange. We're going orange, you know? There you go. Yeah. Yeah, just, just go nuts with it and see what happens. Yeah. So I will say that, like, developing your own paint schemes can be a serious challenge. Like, when you when you find one you like, it is awesome, especially if you are, you know, using that on a whole team or whole army or something. If you find a paint scheme that you really like, it's mm-hmm. it's rewarding because you did it, it's yours, and it is, you know, if you show it off to people, it might get some extra attention, but if you don't show it off to people, then you like it for yourself. So yeah, I mean rolling up to a hobby shop or even just putting a picture up on Instagram like when it's not the box art and when you feel good about it, it yeah. it's definitely like it gets more attention, you know, people ask how you did whatever you did. Um and it, it's nice because yeah, you you know that your army doesn't look like anyone else's. And that's that's pretty cool. Like when when pretty much all the models are the same unless you do conversions, you know, paint is your voice with that army. Yeah. So yeah, coming up with your own own paint scheme is is a pretty rewarding thing, I think, most of the time. Right. So I was I was setting that up with but sometimes it can be really hard. Like sometimes finding a paint yeah. scheme that works or at least that works for you that you like, sometimes that can be a long road. And mm-hmm. you know, I've <laughs> Why do you think I have so many unpainted dark Eldar? Like if I knew which color I was going to paint them, those would be done by, you know, in theory would be you, done you by now. You have one but. in literally every color of the rainbow. Like you have to, there aren't any more colors, Brent. You have to pick one. But there are combinations and there are, yeah. My, my rainbow dark Eldar, that was in my phase where I was really liking washes over white. Like that was, that was the painting yeah, phase yeah. I was going through then. You know, the, uh, their spandex in between their armor was black. Everything else was white. And then I had my secret weapon washes that I, I mixed up with a little mm. bit of floor wax to, to do my washes over oh, white. Old it, classic. Yeah, yeah, classic. And and some of the colors looked pretty good. And I had almost decided on the orange. But then, like, I got a little bit better at painting. And I got an airbrush. And I started second-guessing myself. And look, mm. some, someday, someday. But maybe I should just put a couple of dark Eldar on my painting desk, and every yeah. time I sit down, just make a make a few little tweaks there, give it some thought, and at least then they're they're on your desk and you're looking at them a little bit more frequently, even if that's not your your main yeah. project of the day. I think that, it, like right, the last thing you said, like having them on your desk, it's it's the top of the mind kind of thing. You know, it's the reason you're supposed to, you know, put sticky notes on things or like, well, I want to do this, you know, because you're constantly being reminded. So, you know, you might think about a color scheme and it is difficult sometimes to come up with a really cool one because obviously a lot of good painters out there come up with some pretty cool stuff all the time. So, you know, having that right in front of you every time you sit down even if you walk away from your, your desk five minutes later, like you're probably, you're probably going to have, you know, sunk a little more time, a little mental thought into maybe what you would want to do. So eventually 
yeah, you would you'd probably start to to come up with some solutions there. Yeah. And once you find it, it is pretty magical. So I will say that the yellowy, orangey, browny uh, slaves uh, to darkness uh, army that I made a little while back, yeah. or it was it was like six hundred points of an army that I made a little while back. I am still really liking that paint scheme, which is very interesting to me because that means that I can like actually get the motivation to point paint the rest of a 2000 point army one of these days. Yeah. And yeah, having a paint scheme that's yours that you remain happy with after, after Mm -hmm. the fact that you continue to like, that is a, a rare and awesome thing. And on those models, there are there are some tweaks I want to do. Like, I didn't totally like the, the cape color. I didn't totally like... Actually, I really didn't like the bases that I used for those. But the... Yeah. Like, that scheme is really close for me. Like, actually saying, okay, I'm going to sit down and finish painting a 2,000-point army. And then my my friends, Mark and Alex, are going to stop yelling at me for not painting an army when, I, when we play games. But... <laughs> Uh, like he only brought 600 points again, <laughs> again, like this has got to stop <laughs> that particular army though. That, that paint scheme is like, I am very partial to that particular look that undercoating with pink going over it with the, the whites and then filtering everything with the yellow. Um, yeah, I, I don't think I've ever seen that not look fantastic like because once you once you nail that and you get those shifts in color like it's just such a cool like yellow is maybe because it's yellow right because yellow is a difficult color like to see an entire army painted like that or like the ones that you have the 600 points it is impressive to see well Thank you, but but also like yeah, it's cool, huh? Yeah, uh, I I do it's like cool. that. I, I'm down with that. Uh, anyway, the you know one of the things about the box art is you know you know what to do, and you're not stuck up on trying to figure out a paint scheme. And so yeah. for me, who doesn't want to do the box art for the chaos on un, undivided. But I do want to make my own scheme, like being at a point where I actually know what color to make them. That is a huge step and it can be a, a really hard step to make. So before we move on here, Casey, as a child, did people ask you, what's your favorite color? Um, Yeah, I mean, I still get that question. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like I think about this from time to time. It's it's such an interesting question of like when you meet a child and you're trying to make conversation with with some little kid. Uh, what's your name? Uh, what uh, you know? How old are you? And then like I, I guess you could ask them like pretty much after that. It it normally defaults to like what's your favorite color? <laughs> yeah, it does. Yeah, because what are the things that. I mean, because I guess when you ask a kid that, they're usually like four or five years old or something. Right. Yeah. That just that just makes me think the next time that I have a get together with friends, because everybody's got like little kids, I'm just going to start asking for their social security numbers. <laughs> <laughs> just just to see what happens. <laughs> just break it up a little. Right. But it, 
that always just seemed like such a weird question to me because you get kids who in some ways don't even really give the question that much thought, but they have their like standard answer that they give to that question. So for for me, it was green. And, you know, okay. you know, someone asks four-year-old Brent what his favorite color is, green. And then, like, a few years later, I was like, yeah, I kind of also like orange, though. Maybe green's not actually my favorite color. Like, and then, like, <laughs> I answered orange a few times, and then people are like, didn't you say green before? And anyway, it's just... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, somehow that locks you in, right? Like, yeah. you made your decision, three-year-old Brent. It's too bad. <laughs> yeah, and like, and even now, you know, 30-something, it's like, okay, what color should I paint these? What colors do I like? And, you know, at my age now, it's more of like, okay, let's try something I haven't done before or try something that's obviously different from the box art or try something that's a different color from the rest of my models or my, the rest of my armies. Mm-hmm. But why... You know, why aren't uh, why aren't I just going with green and or orange for everything? I don't know. Like, do do adults really have favorite colors in that way? Like that that yellowy orange, like that really draws me. Is is it because orange is my favorite color? Have I have I been wrong all this time? (laughs) I mean, like on on that kind of a level, that's I think that's actually why I like that is because that nice shift to orange. Mm. Like that was always my go-to answer was orange. Really? Okay. Um, and I remember at a very young age thinking no one else ever says orange. I'm going to be that kid. <laughs> I like, I remember it like vividly having that conversation with myself that that is my decision for that question. <laughs> like, and I mean, I do like orange. It's nice. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I would love to see, the the stats on this of what children's answers to this question actually are like i I imagine there's there might be a little like nodes at not nodes uh peaks at uh like blue for boys and pink for girls or something like that i i could imagine that but then i could also imagine you know the kids like you who want to have their own favorite color Mm -hmm. you know can't 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 be blue like it's gotta gotta be something else like maybe maybe that's why i was green i don't know i you know what just this just dawned on me too so uh the first ninja turtles came out in what 89 i mean i imagine you you probably watched that yes i saw the i saw many episodes of the cartoon ninja turtles yep didn't see the movie though i have seen a couple of the movies yes Okay, okay. I've seen I mean, one of the I've seen one of the like rubber matter. suits movies and I've yeah, seen yeah. <laughs> I can't even remember was it it was some sort of animation for like there was one like 10 years ago maybe I don't know, it doesn't oh, matter. Sure. It doesn't matter. I almost think it, it was it, like it, a Michael Bay like Ninja, 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 Ninja Turtles <laughs> yeah, movie. Uh, don't worry about it. Don't watch it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> is is this Anyways. going in the uh what was your favorite Ninja Turtle? question I, I have a feeling that might have have played into my decision as a small child um that i really liked the orange ninja turtle and i i mean it makes sense but i don't know but i don't know why that just it just occurred to me i just thought that was a very interesting thing because a lot of a lot of kids i remember after that live action movie came out um you know, everybody was talking Ninja Turtles. I had Ninja Turtles lunchbox and, you know, pencil holder and whatever. 
Um, and a lot of people, or at least, you know, friends that I had at the time, that, that's what we talked about. Was what Ninja Turtle are you? Well, my answer is Donatello. Yeah. You were Michelangelo? I think. <laughs> okay. The thing is, I... as as a child, actually, one year for Halloween, I was Leonardo. Like, I, you know, Mother, Mother Dearest yeah. put together a, a little turtle outfit for me, and I got the blue headband, and I got the, there were, like, dollar store swords. Maybe it was just because I could find dollar store swords. I'm not, I'm not really sure. Like, see that that's a whole other level of something. Cause I was Raphael for, for Halloween. And I don't remember specifically why, but Michelangelo was your favorite. Yeah. At least the color was, I, I like Donatello cause the stick stick was so stupid. (laughs) (laughs) Stick was so stupid. (laughs) But he was smart. But he was—he was the it. smart one. I think there was—I think was there the was a little one. bit of like being a smart character that that I yeah, probably yeah. latched onto in some way. But but yeah, it's, it's a really interesting this, question this about like be, which uh, of the four. Just straight question of which of the four color combinations look the best. Like, don't let them hold anything in their hands. Don't let them speak. Just you—you you get a lineup of four Ninja Turtles and make people tell you which one looks the coolest. Which. Which green and mask color looks the best? Right. That's that's hard. Yeah. And I'm sure the artists, you know, picked the 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 right you know shade and hue of those masks to make it work as well as possible with yeah. green and as well, well as possible Raphael with each other like too. Christmas tree. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's very interesting. Maybe we've gone a little little deep on this end. Well, yeah, the we're Ninja we're talking Turtle. about redesigning Ninja Turtles at this point. <laughs> right. <laughs> so in order to pick colors and maybe be more effective, can you do something, say, on the computer? So, you know, so we're done with to, Ninja Turtles? Is that what I'm hearing? I mean, I feel okay, like... Okay, we're done with Ninja Turtles. We, uh, All right. we squashed that subject pretty hard. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I concur. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> Yeah. So, okay. Try your transition again here, Casey. <laughs> it's killing me with this. I'm just, I'm reading this. And like, we just spent like 15 minutes on favorite colors, you know? <laughs> well, okay. So to, to tie back in, like favorite color, it's an interesting idea. Like, like if favorite colors are a real thing, you'd expect more people to have, you know, more of their models in their nominal favorite color, you know? Like that, that is true. Yeah. Like, uh, if my favorite color is actually green, I should have painted an army of salamanders by now of, of salamander mm-hmm. space Marine chapter by now. Like it, it shouldn't be that hard of a think. decision for me to pick which space Marine chapter I'm going to paint. Like if you actually have a favorite color, like they have a chapter in your yeah. color, except for orange, but don't worry about that. Right. Sons of bitches. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving away from favorite colors here. Right? Let's let's get into let's assume that you are actually willing to consider any color of the rainbow for for models you're painting. Right. What do you do in order to to pick that? So, like if you if you've been to art school or anything like that, like one of the first things you get is a color wheel. 
You know, if you buy something from certain online retailers, they send you a color wheel for free with your paints, which I think is pretty cool. Um, and that is a helpful tool because you can see where the colors lie and, you know, kind of pick out different triads or opposites or whatever it is to come up with color schemes. Um, and something that we've talked about is going online and using, um, what is it, Adobe? That's the one is I've just used. Adobe.com? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And they have a, like a color picker, right? And, uh, I don't, I actually don't, I've never used it. Can you draw on there? So, so I've used it. It's, um, you go on, or at least just search for adobe.com and color wheel and you should be able to find it, but it's just an interactive color wheel where you can go and, you know, put, put, you know, select different areas of the color wheel. And then, you know, whether you want to be doing like a triad of colors or uh, complementary colors or, um, monotone or, or you know whatever type of color scheme you're thinking about it'll then suggest some other colors that'll go with that and so you yeah. um i think normally it'll it'll have like a palette of five colors and you can go around and like say okay well, one of the five to be this one of the five to be this and it'll kind of suggest okay what other colors might fill in that palette nicely and mm-hmm. even even just even if you're picking all five of the colors yourself manually, it's nice to be able to see like just like five color swatches next to each other and just think about like, okay, is this, is this the palette? Does this palette look good? Do I, do I think this is something I want to use on my next model? And, you know, in, in the past, um, I've done a little bit of experimenting with trying to use like computer assisted paint scheme design of like taking yeah. taking a 2D picture of a model and then kind of trying to color it in on the computer screen. And then, you know, mm-hmm. you can change colors way faster on the computer screen than you can change by painting them onto the model of if you're going to oh, go through sure. the, uh, if you're going to go through the trial and error might as well be on the computer. Yeah, you can, I mean, because you can do as many different variations as you want. And yeah. having something like a, a shifting color wheel will tell you if those colors technically go together well or, you know, in theory, they do. And I mean, that doesn't always pan out when you're painting models, but I think it's a pretty good place to jump off of. Um, I have a color wheel up on my wall and I consult it pretty often. Um, you know, it's got all the basic colors and then, you know, hues from black to white. Um, so you kind of get an idea of some of the things that look pretty good together. Um, a lot of it though, I feel is kind of trial and error. Um, you know, you think, okay, red and I guess the, the good example is red and green, right? Like technically, theoretically, those look good together, but, Red and green tells you something else if it's, you know, bright enough and light enough. Yeah. Santa Claus is coming looks, to town. Yeah. Yeah. So are red and green good colors for an army? Well, they, they can be. Not anymore. But yeah, <laughs> they can be in very specific circumstances. So that's what I mean by like trial and error. You can use red and green and not make it look like Christmas, but it is hard. 
Yeah, so one of, it needs to be a really dark red or a really dark green or uh, something else needs to yeah. be mixed in there a little bit. Yeah. It's tricky. Yeah. It's tricky. Plus, you got yeah. watermelons, like, ruining the rest of that approach, so. <laughs> it's a lot of black there. And then and then they got, the, like, the white kind of. See, that, and that's where that is. Like, there's a little bit of separation mm. uh, that pulls you away from that. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I've seen a couple of techniques for this, you know, trying to plan out a model paint scheme on a computer. And, mm-hmm. uh, one of the worst videos I ever made on Goobertown hobbies was using the program <laughs> of PowerPoint to, to color in an image of a model. Um, I've seen people use Photoshop to try to do the same thing. Um, actually from the date we're recording, just a few days ago, the craftsman uh, put up a video using oh, yes. Photoshop to do that. And like a 20 year old version of Photoshop. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you don't know the craftsman, <laughs> you need to do yourself a favor and go check it out. Steady crafted. <laughs> yep. Um, okay. So also uh, Dana Howell had a video where she used MS paint to do this, uh, taking a, an image of a model. And then I think she was just, like literally like drawing over it, uh, whatever color she wanted to try. Um, Mm -hmm. and so that's one way to do it. And partially this just depends on what program you're familiar with, but actually I'll, I'll say, I think the best version of this that I've seen so far is, um, a small channel, uh, Allie McAllister. So Mm -hmm. A L L I E. M A C A one L I S T E R. I think, um, I'll, I'll throw that link. Yeah. You just do that. That, that'll be way easier. (laughs) Plus I I probably found a way to get it wrong, but, um, no, I think you got it. Nice. Nice. So this is a, this is a small channel and Allie is primarily like a computer artist person, whatever, whatever the word is for that. Digital arts. Sure. Yeah. 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 There you go. Thank you, Casey. Um, and, you know, she also paints minis. And of course, you know, it's interesting to see the way our, our various hobbies help each other out and, and play off of each other. But, you know, she's done this where she takes essentially a black and white image of a model that has a decent contrast to it. So you can really see the the high points and the shadows and everything. And then she lays these like translucent layers of color down on top of the image. And so, you know, you, you can see the blue pants, but you also see like all the folds in the pants and everything. And so it looks really good. Like it Mm -hmm. just coloring over the pants makes it look really good because you can see, like still see the texture of it and stuff. And yeah, and the shift in values and all that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. The shifting values. And that's one of those techniques. Like when I saw, I was like, okay, if there was a model that I really cared about, like uh, fifth edition Drukari Warriors, that I really need to finally figure out how to paint, like yeah, yeah, because of course you know it is a, an extra step to go and take a nice picture of your model or, or find one online, and then to go mm-hmm. and load it into your computer. And if you don't already know how to use one of these programs, figure out how to use the program and play around with colors yeah. on there. But once you do get over that kind of startup cost, 
very easy to change colors, to play around with things. You know, you can go to uh, an interactive color wheel and just pull the colors from that, you know, get, get some outside help to try to give you ideas for what you should do. So that is a technique that definitely appeals to me. I'm, I'm certainly interested in. Mm-hmm. It's definitely an interesting way to go. I've never, I've never personally tried it. Um, I mean, I've, I've been using Photoshop for a long time. Um, but I've never tried it for miniature painting before, which is a little weird. I don't know. I think, I think the way that I am just on a personal level is more of like, I just want to get down to it. And if I screw it up, then like, I know the steps to take to fix it. Like it so much as throwing it in a bath of cleaner and stripping the paint off. If I absolutely have to like, right. Yeah, it seems like a lot of extra work is what I mean. Yeah, I, I totally get that. I mean, you're into mini painting because what you want to be doing is painting minis. If you wanted to make digital right. art, you'd be making digital art instead. Like, I yeah, I, yeah. I see that argument for sure. Uh, and I, I do see the value in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And on my test models, you know, you can certainly layer on a couple of different colors of paint before you start to fill in details. But by the time you're getting to like the fourth or fifth coat, you're starting to fill in the tiny little gaps and it's getting closer and closer to the time where you might need to strip the paint off the model. So on the, on that topic, I'll say that, you know, feel free to experiment. You can always strip the model back and start fresh uh, if you are in America, we've got our LA's totally awesome cleaner. We've got our super yeah. clean, super clean purple degreaser stuff. Both of those will work great on plastic minis. Yeah, take most types of paint right off after you know a couple hours sitting in the bath. Even quicker if you got an ultrasonic cleaner going on them. Oh yeah. So, you know, part of part of what we've been talking about of just sitting down and painting things that is backed up by the fact that we know that we can always recover a mini. Nothing, nothing is lost if we right. if we do put eight coats of paint on there and still don't have an answer. But, you know, if we put nine coats of paint on there and we know our answer, we can strip the we can strip all those layers of paint right back off with, you know, at most like an overnight soak in in one of these fluids. Yeah. And then start fresh in the morning with a fresh coat of primer. And then you know what colors of paint you actually want to be on that mini. So nothing is lost by trial and error except for time, really. That's true, the time. But I mean, yeah, it's pretty minimal. And especially if you have a sonic cleaner. I was going to say the alternative to this is to go on the eBay and buy like 200 of these Kabbali Warriors and just hoard them. That way, you never have to strip a mini. You just have them. You just reach behind you and paint it however you want to paint it and see what happens. Are you being sarcastic? No. (laughs) Yeah, if you do end up with a whole bunch of something, it's okay. It's all right. Nothing wrong with having a janky old test models laying around. You might find some use for them. Well, and eventually, you'll have a ridiculously very original army. If you can put all those on the table. That's true. I would love to see how many of those you have done and just like laid out. 
I want to see that Dark Eldar. I've <laughs> I've actually stripped a lot of them, but you know, I I have oh. gone through a lot of third edition Dark Eldar Cabalite Warriors, a lot of them. Yeah. And some of them have gone through at least one stripping. Many of them have at least been like primed over again. But right. I have in the past had them all out on the table and it is it doesn't look cool. It does not look cool. You don't want to see it. <laughs> oh, I, I didn't think it would. No, no, I no. just wanted to see it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot of different ways that, that we can obviously get color schemes. Um, I don't know that I have any, any particular preference. I think pulling a little bit from each thing kind of makes the most sense. And, and you're going to find eventually what you're most comfortable with, whether it is trial and error, stripping models back, test models, um, you know, like that, that color wheel from Adobe might be absolutely your thing. Like if you have access to that kind of stuff, if you even have Photoshop, that, that might be something that just clicks with you. Um, I think there's no reason not to try all of them at least once. Yeah. I will say that finding your main color sometimes is the hardest step. Sometimes yeah. the hardest step is just deciding that the main color is going to be red, you know? And right. that's one reason why it can be nice to adapt an existing color scheme. That's one reason, actually, like my, my little Goober Town roulette game, because it makes yeah, a couple yeah. of the hard choices for me, you know, Either it tells me one or two colors that you will be using on this model. And that helps a lot. Um, yeah. So, I mean, you could do something where if you just have all your paints in a, in a Tupperware bin or something, just close your eyes, blindly reach in and grab out a random paint and uh, see if you can make a, a paint scheme around brain matter beige or whatever you pulled out with your hand and give it a shot. That sounds like a, sounds like a fun thing to do. Try that. Yeah, the for me, just the the hardest part about trying to pick a paint scheme is when you end up paralyzed with with too much choice. That might be really what it comes down to, anyways. Is that as miniature painters, we generally have access to a very large variety of colors, and I think, like emotionally, mentally, we're afraid of picking the wrong color. Sure like screwing up our paint job, our army, whatever it is. Um, I suppose this is where paint bravely does come into play. Like don't worry about what other people think about your color scheme. If you like legitimately fluorescent pink, do it. You won't find that on box say. art. Exactly. But that sounds rad. And if no you one else that would work, dare. Yes. Yeah. Listeners, uh, we have a challenge for you here at Paint Bravely. Uh, go out, buy yourself mm. some fluorescent pink paint, and uh, prove Casey wrong. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm not saying it would look bad. Or do you mean it would? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Which side are you on? <laughs> I'm actually not sure how this experiment will turn out. So uh, huh. if anyone does paint anything with fluorescent pink, we'd uh, we'd be interested in seeing it. That's for sure. The, the last thing I painted with fluorescent pink um, was my most liked image on Instagram. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, uh, that Seraphon skiing star priest. Oh, you used actual fluorescent pink on that? Legitimate, yeah, from Golden. 
really good fluorescent paints. High flow acrylic from Golden. Okay. Yeah, it looks awesome too. Casey is saying you can make uh, almost any color work. Uh, it's just a, a matter of how yeah. how dedicated you are to figure out what the other colors will be on that model. That That's actually an interesting thing. So when I was picking colors for that model, um, I wanted... I wanted a lot of orange, actually, which is weird. Um, And, you know, you look at a color wheel and you say, okay, what's the opposite of orange? It's blue. At least I think it is. No, you're right. Yeah, I'm right. Don't bother (laughs) checking. Just just go with it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I was right. I got this. Um, And then I I kind of, in fact, you know, this is a perfect example. If you are watching this on youtube.com slash paint bravely, the podcast, then you can see what I'm pointing at the screen. This is just a color wheel. You can pull it up on Google or whatever. Um, so orange and blue are opposite. And then right at the very top of the color wheel in between those two colors is pink. So I went real bright and fluorescent with it. No, you can't see that, Brent. Yeah, you don't need to show me where pink is in the color wheel. It's okay. Uh, you looked very confused. I was just trying to help. <laughs> but yeah, it's right in between. So that was that's a good example of where I did look at a color wheel and I decided here's where I want to start. Here's the opposite of that color. And to throw in a triad, I picked pink and I had a fluorescent pink and it works. It just did. You still look very confused, Brent. Yeah, uh, you you lost me at pink is directly between orange and blue, but I guess I guess I'll have to look at a color wheel. You know, that's all right. <laughs> I was tr- I was trying <laughs> to show you the color wheel. I know you were, buddy. I, I know you were. <laughs> you didn't want it. I apologize. I've, I've been told not to apologize for my cats, but I'm apologizing to you now for. <laughs> I don't even know what I'm apologizing for now, but yeah, uh, it's it's fine. <laughs> All right, we, we got to move it's this really along, fine. Casey. Um, so in summary, keep a folder of pictures that inspire you because you never know 100%. when you'll want to draw on that and uh, make up a little paint scheme. Yeah. Uh, for that specifically, like if I'm on Instagram or if I'm on Google or whatever, Facebook a lot of times too, uh, if you're in Facebook groups, um, I will screenshot a, an image of whatever it is and it goes right into a folder. Um, and I've, I've even got my folders broken down into, you know, specific projects that I'm thinking about so that I have a little bit of inspiration each time that I go into those folders. Um, a lot of it does come from Instagram and scrolling is a really good way to do that. But saving those pictures is, is very helpful and I recommend it highly. Right there with you on that one. Yeah. Nailed it. Nailed it. All right, done and done. Hey, right, Casey, we want to uh, wrap up here with uh, kind of going through some questions a bit faster. We have some other yeah, let's, questions let's folks some, have asked uh, on, on YouTube. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the first one, I'm just going to go straight into it, is from BL. And it is, how do you mentally prepare yourself to overtake challenges you encounter while painting? I think this this might be like an overall stress level question. Like just if you're getting in the mood, you know, if you're going, you're sitting at your painting desk, you're there to have fun. Like, I don't know, don't don't stress out over anything. You'll you'll get through it. You'll figure out a solution that will work. 
you know, you'll, you'll figure it out eventually. It might not be using the exact technique that you thought you were going to use, or, you know, maybe you were, maybe you were hoping to use non-metallic metal that day and, and you end up at the end of the day, taking, taking the shortcut and just putting down some Vallejo metal color or something. I've been there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This is a really hard question. I, I, I saw this on the list of questions. I was hoping you would have to take a stab at it first here, Casey. But we'll, well, I asked you first. Okay, you did ask me first. Okay, so l- let me start <laughs> over here again. So to. <laughs> back to what we said earlier, you can always paint over something. If it really goes mm-hmm. south, you can always strip it off. So let's start with the baseline. There is nothing you can do to really fail. It may it may take you it may take you a long time to to get to where you want to be, but you can never truly fail. You can always, at yeah. absolute worst, you can always start over again. So yeah. on on like a baseline, how do you approach the task? There's There should not be a fear of failure. You should be able to paint bravely because, uh, you know, absolute worst, you, you put another coat of paint on. And then... With that in mind, I think it's a little bit easier to to just go for it. Um, either whether you're trying to you know repeat a tutorial you saw online, or if you're just winging it and trying to you know repeat a, a look of a model that you found online, or if you just have a crazy idea in your head, uh, give it a shot, see what happens. I think that's in terms of mentally prepare yourself to to do something new or to tackle a new challenge. I mean, it's kind of like, it's kind of like doing a puzzle, right? Like you, you know that there is going to be a challenge and it's every time that you want to do a puzzle. Um, I, I find that miniature painting is not too dissimilar in that everything that you're doing is a small challenge that you need to overcome. You need to find a solution like mentally preparing yourself for that is, I mean, you know, it's like you're going in or I think you have to go in knowing that those things exist. And like what you said is that failure doesn't actually really exist in miniature painting. You know, it's more of an emotional thing that we deal with when we feel like we've messed something up beyond our, our ability to repair. Um, paint can always be painted over. It can always be removed. Like nothing is ever permanent in miniature painting. Yeah. Ever. The worst is like a feeling of frustration and and being quite done with this for the evening, you know, like you can. Yeah. So there, there, there is failure in in the point of like you had something good and then you accidentally like got black all over it. Like there's <laughs> yeah, that, sure. that's about the worst thing you can do or you, you got a, an effect almost right. And then you try to finish it off and you went back about five steps like that. Sure, that can happen. And that mm-hmm. comes with frustration. But. Uh, mm-hmm. ours is a slow and long-term hobby a lot of times. So yeah. Yeah. And, and I think actually I like the analogy of putting together a jigsaw puzzle there, like, because you are constantly making a little bit of progress. There is a, in a yeah. jigsaw. There's, there's one solution, but in painting a mini, I am not enough of a perfectionist that I think there's only one correct way even if i have an idea of what i'm going for i don't think that there's only one correct look like um 
if if something if some little detail really is bothering you uh paint it black or or paint it gunmetal silver you know right there's there's <laughs> on this stuff there often is like a, a shortcut if you you know give give a particular technique or effect or a good solid shot and at the end if it really isn't working for you you have the option of trying again and again and again or you have the option of putting null oil on it and uh calling it a day so that kind of segues a little bit into the next question if you uh want to read that real quick all right is there a painting technique for disguising the flaws in a less than perfect sculpt? All right. Most point, most painting advice is rightly about bringing attention to the nice details. What if you'd prefer to hide something? Yeah. And this, this comes from SS. <sighs> yes, this comes what? from SS. All right. Good. That was a, that was a very Look, good question got- though. That was seriously, uh, I like that one. What do you think, Casey? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, So I think this is an interesting one because I think there are some specific things that you can do in order to hide things. Um, Like you you just mentioned known oil. Like known oil for most painters, and I mean, even for me, like this is all the time, will hide like color transitions, mistakes, like if, you know, an arm goes into, say, a piece of metal, like skin to metal or something, like you're going to have a nice black line there. So even if your your painting wasn't perfectly crisp on that line, it's now hidden. So washes hide a lot of details and they make your models look a little bit more um, purposeful, I suppose. Um, if there's something that you want to do to fix a sculpt that's a little bit different because a wash isn't going to hide you know a busted up model um yeah if there's if there's a big gap if there's like a big gap or if there's yeah um like a like a mold line across the whole bicep or something like that's the wash is gonna draw attention to that (laughs) a little worse yeah yeah. (laughs) yeah yeah um i'm thinking more like like say you have a piece that's broken off or maybe a sculpt is a little bit janky. Like a lot, I think a lot of people would think, well, now you have to go in there with a little teeny tiny little brush. And you got to paint those details in. Well, for me, if there's something, say if I'm rescuing a model and it's slightly beyond repair, or at least my ability to repair that model, then I will pick something that makes it make sense. So say like a sword is broken in half and I can't find it. You know, the, the other piece or there's a gouge out of a piece of armor or something mm-hmm. uh, somebody cut right into it or one of the bigger offenders is when somebody uses way too much plastic glue sure right like the idea that is that now that model is essentially ruined you can't really do anything about that without having to re-sculpt it so say there's a chunk out of some piece that looks like a piece of metal well maybe paint it like rust like go over it with some texture Make it look jacked up because it is jacked up. Yeah. Like you're hiding those mistakes and making it look like it's more on purpose. Yeah. So stepping way back 
you know, you could do just a little bit of conversion or glue an extra bit on somewhere or something like that yeah. to, to try to rescue a, a bad sculpt. But uh, I really like that idea, Casey, of, yeah, if there's like texture in a weird place, that could be easy, easily be rust or some other type of wear and tear on something. If it's on skin, that could yeah. be a nasty scab or, you know, some mm -hmm. other injury or something like that. And so, yeah, I'd, I'd say one of the things you can do is think about whether the imperfection could be part of the model or be painted up like yeah. part of the model. Um, and then if it really can't be part of the model, paint it black. Or or if you have a model that, that has some flaws, priming black and then painting the things on top of that that you really want to paint, that's actually a pretty good look. Dark yeah. colors hide imperfections pretty well you you won't be able to see as many of the flaws if they're primed black you know if if you prime a model black and then do a paint job on it but you don't hit every area that's going to look way better than a model that you prime white and paint over it and don't hit every area like just the yeah. the default of something that you didn't paint or don't want to draw attention to uh, just having a black base coat way better way better than a light color um and and i've done this before on some models uh not not necessarily even to hide something but just where i don't even care enough to decide what some of the details are if uh i'm thinking of like some delac gangers i did where that you know they have mm -hmm. a bunch of you know, techno gizmos and they've got their grenades and they've got some belts and that, you know, they've just got all kinds of like weird little details on them. You don't want to, don't want to think about what color all those things are. Make them all dark gray. Sure. They're yeah. uh dark gray leather or dark gray uh, metal or they're, or it's just like a crack that I, that didn't get painted. And so there's a shadow there, dark gray. Sure. Good. Um, yeah. and then to go along with the, you know, almost camouflaging it, uh, the weathering effects can go a long way. So whether that's your stippling on, uh, little chunks of rust or little chunks of exposed shiny metal as a result of, of scratches and chipping, that's cool. If, um, you want to just get some pigment powder and put that all over everything, you know, they're, they have dusty boots and dusty legs and they're just, they're just covered in dust. That's cool. Um, actually one of the, one of the armies that I really liked at a, at a tournament I went to was a, a Tau army and it looked awesome. And then I realized it was just basically like spray painted blue Tau that had weathering dust all over everything. And it looked awesome. It was like, you know, blue towel and then like uh, reddish brown earth weathering dust, you know, more at the more at the bottom, but all over everything, like just models stepping out of a sandstorm or something. So nice. Put put dirt, put soot, put uh, dust, you know, whatever it is. Um, weathering pigments can absolutely be used to, to hide all kinds of things. Whether that's yeah, a bad model or a, a lazy paint job or whatever, yeah, yeah, yeah. The the powders specifically, I really like for that. 
um, it hides so much and it makes, it makes imperfections look very purposeful, you know, because it, it has that realistic texture to it. It, it looks powdery. So everything underneath that looks like it's just real. It's supposed to be there. So it definitely is. I like that. It's a good way to go. Uh, let's say we do one more. Okay. I'm looking at G down here. I think that's a good one. I think that's a good one. Yeah. So we've got our our list of questions that people have asked over the past days or sometimes weeks or sometimes months. And and we will, we will get to all these because we got a lot of good ones and uh, let's go with G. Save your questions. All right. Go with G. Just, just letting you know. All right. G says, just wondering how much you think having a painted army enhances the game experience, if at all. I I think it's pretty important. So in terms of in terms of me gaming for if we're if we're talking about Warhammer here, for me a lot of the game is just the the spectacle of it of getting two armies laid out, maybe some cool terrain in between them. For me that's a that's a big part of the experience of of what a Warhammer game is. And so I think that that having both armies painted is awesome. Of course I you know yeah. The uh, the usual caveat is I am normally the person with like the least painted <laughs> army or or like the most cobbled together, uh, you know, various right. like half painted units. Normally, normally everything on my side is pretty much mostly painted, but it might have been painted by me twenty years ago, or might have been like painted by somebody on eBay or or something. So my right. army, like my full army, normally looks okay. Um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, I, I do like playing against uh, someone who has a painted army. Um, partially, it's it's easier to see what everything is, and, and partially just the the feel and the atmosphere of of the game is improved. Um, and and then the caveat over all of that is, I I am not a big competitive gamer. Um, the actual you know tactics and rules of the game do not appeal to me in the in the way they do for other people. Um, you know, every time there's a new rule release, I'm not like, I basically don't care. I'm just like, okay, someone fill me in if, uh, this affects whether or not I'm rolling, you know, these D six, you know, yeah. let me know if something drastic changed, but (laughs) you're not allowed to use any of those units anymore. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But, but if, if you're someone who, who really likes the, you know, getting the, the synergies from the various leaders being within six inches of something and you're, you're re-rolling ones and you're, you're getting your plus ones to something or other. Um, if, if that's the stuff that you like, the, you know, planning out your army in that way and, and, uh, taking advantage of, of the ways the rules are written to have a really effective army and to have a cool strategy then then probably painting is is less important to you but i'll say for me my answer is painted armies make the game really cool yeah yeah i think i'm pretty much right there with you um i think having a painted army seeing someone else's painted army uh first of all it's a great conversation you know you can ask somebody all sorts of questions and and most people are very happy to share you know, why they made the decisions they did with their army and why they painted whatever colors, you know? And like, as a, as a 
you know, a painter, like that's, that's what I'm into. Right. Like I like the game. Um, and I try and, you know, put a little bit of thought into that when I build an army, when I try and paint an army to play. Um, but at the same time, like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna throw down a plastic model just to see, you know, if I can get a couple more dice rolls that game or whatever it is, like just, I'm not going to do it. Yeah. You're, you're uh, at least going to paint it up to look to like a rock, right? Like, at least yeah. in the very least, it, if it looks like a rock, then cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, I like, I don't know. I just like painting armies like that. Yeah. I paint. Yeah. Yeah. The, when I've, when I've brought like truly unpainted models to the table, is because I, I needed them for the list to to be legal. Not not because I, I really needed oh, the, sure. the benefit or I or wanted to try a new unit, but it's because if I if I don't bring this unpainted thing, the the list will will be illegal. Um Right, it doesn't even work and there's yeah, really no point. I, I don't even have a, a painted leader for this army, so uh here's here's an unpainted leader. So. Yeah. That definitely makes sense. Um, I think that's that's probably a a good exception to a, I'd say a rule that I generally would try and adhere to. Yeah, and and I've certainly heard I've certainly heard the uh, the answer that you know if you do want to just try out something to see how it tactically works in your existing army, like yeah, yeah go ahead and and bring it unpainted before you spend. 10 hours working on it hours or whatever. Hours, yeah. I, I totally get that. Uh, yeah. The the amount of time that goes into painting an army is ridiculous, especially if you need to come up with your, or you feel you need to come up with your own paint scheme, especially then. Yeah. But the amount of time it takes to get set up for a Warhammer, Warhammer game is already so excessive that if you have the opportunity to play unpainted before you get them all painted, go for it. Yeah. Or not yeah i'm not saying uh don't do that but uh ultimately in a perfect world yeah i think i think a couple of coats of paint really does add a lot to the game so yeah i mean even if you primed it through a, a top-down zenithal highlight of some white over the top of that like i mean i i would if somebody came and was like hey i got these units i want to play that they're unpainted like yeah whatever it's not gonna hurt my feelings um, I think it's just a more enjoyable experience overall when everything is painted. It's like having a lot of really nice terrain on a table, right? Mm. Like it's not just a giant lime green mat. This is the battlefield. Good luck. <laughs> like that's pretty boring. The battlefield has a ping really pong like net you. down the middle. Yeah. yeah for real. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's some weird obstacle. Yeah. Like, uh, having having the extra stuff like it's just it's way more immersive and it's it's just enjoyable right there with you and on that note thank you again for joining us in another episode of paint bravely if you enjoyed this podcast please help us out by leaving us a review on itunes subscribing to the youtube channel and sharing this message with your hobby friends hold up a second case always you stop right there what uh, I need to say that Casey and I keep forgetting to plug our own podcast on our YouTube channels. Uh, so it's <laughs> a very good. Point. We're gonna think about maybe doing that a little bit more often, but uh, 
Yeah, yeah. If, if all yeah. you guys want to help out the podcast, yeah, tell tell your friends. But but Casey and I will also try to do our part a little more often. You know, it's a, it's a good point. <laughs> I mean, it's hard it's hard enough to to ask everyone else to do it for us. Like we're barely even yeah. talking every, about it on our own platform. Every time Casey and I talk to each other, we're like, you know what? I, I made like a couple of videos over the past few <laughs> weeks that I did not mention paint bravely once. Like, didn't mention it. Yeah, we're we're gonna work yeah. on that. Seems kind of stupid. Yeah. Hey, live and learn. We're getting there, you know? We're on episode exactly. nine. Next episode is going to be episode 10. We're we're going places, Casey. We're going places. Straight to episode and we, 10. And we are happy that all of you are along for the ride. Yes, we 100% appreciate each and every one of you for listening. And we will talk to you next time. Talk to you next time.